Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 290 of X-Lapsed, where uh, I'm recording this the day after Christmas, and um, I'm still kind of recovering. <laughs> We're going to ease our way back into the regular X-Lapsed format here. I uh, kind of went off the rails with my eating uh, over the past couple of days here. We usually have a big Christmas Eve party, and uh, then we visited a whole bunch of people on Christmas Day, and... You know, you gotta eat everywhere you go, right? And, uh, boy, I like to try to keep my calorie consumption for the day between, like, 1,600 and 2,000 calories. And I swear I probably edged into that with each meal that I had over the past couple days. So, uh, boy, uh, my body ain't feeling it. Um, I was up most of last night with uh, horrendous heartburn, which uh, I haven't had heartburn in years. Uh, I used to be haunted by heartburn constantly because I was just so out of shape and just my diet was just the worst. But uh, it's gone away. I haven't had heartburn in a very long time until last night. So uh, yeah, made for a very unfortunate night's sleep or an attempt at a night's sleep. And uh, here we are, back into the uh, quote-unquote normal swing of things here with X-Lapsed. Uh, and I kind of feel like I was hit by a truck. So uh Let's do the thing. Let's do the thing. Let's get through this uh, pair of stories from uh, Marvel Unlimited. Uh, we don't have any mascot stories this time. No Jeff, no Pizza Dog, no nothing like that. But we do have something a little extra, but we will get to that as we get to that. Let's kick things off, though, with X-Men Unlimited, Volume 3, Number 14. We're going to say December 2021 cover date. The uh, story is called Paradise Lost Chapter 2, Not the Pancake Grandma Made. Written by Fabian Nisiesa, with art by Matthew Horick. Letters, VCs, Joe Sabino. Edit, Samaro, Bisa, White, Sabolski. This one appeared on the app December 13th of 2021. And, you know, we skipped last week's Unlimited uh, Day, uh, but uh, they haven't put any more issues out. I guess maybe they're taking the holidays off, so we're not... I thought we were going to be an issue behind, but, hey, we're actually still up to date, so that's a good thing. Now... We pick up this story with Deadpool addressing us directly about how this is going to be his chapter of this, quote, vertical comic jamboree. And he talks for a long, long time. This uh, facilitates us scrolling through balloon after balloon of, uh, you know, vertical comic jamboreeing. At least it's humorous, though. It is Fabian Nicieza, it is Deadpool. It's good. Uh, it does make me wonder, though, if they'll be able to convert this story into print, like they're going to be doing with the Hickman four-parter that kicked off. X-Men Unlimited Volume, whichever this is. That's actually a thing that's happening in March. Uh, they will be converting the first four stories from X-Men Unlimited into uh, a print offering. I can only imagine what it's going to cost. 
Um, I'd like to think it's going to be four bucks, but uh, I would, I would bet it's probably going to be five ninety nine or seven ninety nine, which that's uh, you know a kick to the crotch, isn't it? Anyway, now he's also explaining all of this to Rubbermaid, who hasn't the foggiest idea what he's going on about. Now you see, the gimmick here is that mutants are kind of in short supply for any mad scientist who might want to experiment on them, ever since Krakoa became a thing, because all the mutants are there, of course. So I guess the gag here is that uh, scientists are becoming a little bit less picky about who they can experiment on, and so they'll have to settle for even lamos like Rubbermaid. Anyway, again, uh, Wade slaps a pair of power-dampening cuffs onto Tupperware Lass and goes to take her away to whoever it is that's paying him to, to do this. Now, he leads her into a secret tunnel that all the high muckety-mucks at the prison use as, like, a sort of kind of escape hatch. Then he loads into his hoopty and then drives directly into the path of the Juggernaut. Now, this, as you might imagine, stops the car dead in its path. Rubbermaid is then rescued by Primus of the Unstoppables, who explains that he's not a mutant, but instead a, instead a malleable plastoid construct created by a Nazi. Juggernaut then forcibly ejects poor Wade out of the crush car and asks him who he's working for. Deadpool tells Kane to suck it, which gets his head bashed in. Uh, for the first of several times this chapter, uh, this is one of those gimmicks that kind of gets less funny each time we see it. You see, Juggernaut like literally creams Wade's dome into mush. But then, over the course of several finger-flicking, scroll-facilitating panels, it pops back to normal. Now, this is where Rubbermaid drops that line about something not being like the pancakes Grandma made, which is either an inside joke or I'm just an idiot. Either way, I, I don't get it. Juggernaut is sure that Wade's working for the Warden, which gets him a little bit of sass about how, hey, you know, Kane's using his noggin, which gets Wade punched in the head again and gets us those same scrolly panels of Wade's head popping back to normal again. So here, Wade comes clean. Sorta. You see, he was hired to give the Warden some deniability when Xavier came a-callin' to rescue the mutant girl. Kane asks if he has any idea what the Warden's going to do to Rubbermaid. And Wade thinks he knows, but he hasn't really thought much about it because he's too focused on the paycheck that's on the line here. Kane informs him that the Warden is going to try and replicate Andrea's powers. And this comes, for some reason, this comes to a sh as a shock to Deadpool, who... I guess clearly doesn't remember, like, the past 30 years of comic book storytelling. Um, he doesn't know how the Warden could possibly do this, which, again, I mean, we've, this, this, isn't like, this isn't like a novel sort of a story beat here. And so Kane is like, hey, you know, yeah, he can do this. And by the way, did the Warden take anything from you? And yeah, the Warden actually did take quite a bit from Wade, uh, including saliva, skin samples, blood, Urine, feces, sperm, toenail clippings, bone marrow, a bit of thyroid, a bit of spleen, more urine, ligaments, scapula, and even more urine. Now, I probably don't need to tell you this. We know Marvel Unlimited. We know the Infinity Comics. But these revelations come one after another in a way that forces us to engage in the Infinity Comics finger-flicking, scrolling gimmick. This gets Wade's head smashed in for a third time this chapter, uh, but thankfully, the camera cuts back to Juggernaut before we're forced to scroll a few more finger flicks to see his head pop back to normal again. Here, Juggernaut lays out the plan to his crew. They're going to rescue Rubbermaid, of course, but then they're going to stop the Warden. Which, I thought that was the plan from the start. I didn't think we needed to reiterate this. 
Anyway, Quicksand asks how they can possibly accomplish this, which is a pretty good question, considering that the Warden's base is like eight miles up in the air. She asks if they can use a Krakoan gate to get up there. Kane says no. Not because you know and I know that gates won't work for them, but uh, because the Krakoans cannot be implicated in any of this. So I guess that is to say they could go through with a tour guide, right? Or whatever. Anyway, we wrap up with Juggernaut saying that uh, it's not ideal, but they're going to have to ask for help from a Nazi. So what do we have to say about this one? Um, Well, not much. (laughs) Not a whole heck of a lot. I think uh, basically it was what it said it was. It's a chapter. It's a chapter of a story that'll probably read a whole lot more fluidly and satisfyingly as a whole rather than uh, piecemeal. And that really isn't an indictment on the story. It's just the way comics are written right now. Here we got uh, some exposition and some comedy, I guess, which, I mean, that's all well and good. It is Deadpool. It is Fabian Iciesa. At least it had that uh, the charm that you'd come to expect. Maybe got a little bit repetitive, maybe sort of kind of abused the Infinity Comics gimmick here with the the Force scrolling over and over again. Maybe that's the joke, right? I mean, Wade does welcome us to, like, a vertical jamboree. Maybe maybe this was just to uh, facilitate us having repetitive panels which force us to scroll. Maybe it's a meta thing. Maybe it's a commentary on the gimmicky nature of these Infinity Comics. I don't know. But I probably don't need to tell you that this was um, a million times better than X-Men Green was. Uh, I still will never let that go. <laughs> that was the worst. Uh, I think that might be the worst X-Men story I've ever read. But uh, I enjoyed this overall. The art here was really, really good. Um, hoping that this won't run out of steam over the course of the next uh, many weeks. I think this is going to be a seven-parter? A six or seven-parter. So we still got plenty of story left to go, and hopefully it uh, hopefully it's able to maintain its, I don't know, oomph. I also hope that over the course of the next several um, chapters that it doesn't devolve into an X-Corp-like um, constant like Nazi joke, which, I mean, wasn't funny there. It's, it's just not a funny thing to do. Either way, I have far more faith in Niciesa than I do uh, the creative team of X-Corp, but uh, I, I think we're in for some more good times. Um, Let's head into our backup story for this week. Um, we don't have a mascot, as mentioned. There's no Jeff, there's no pizza dog, there's uh, nothing of the sort. Instead, we have an X-Men story uh, based in probably 1992 or so. This is the Mighty Marvel Holiday Special, and the story is called Happy Holidays, Mr. Howlett. Written by Ryan North, with art by Nathan Stockman. Colors, Chris O'Halloran. Letters, VCs, Josephino. Edits, Byro Bisa Sabolski. This appeared on the app December 16th of 2021. Now, we opened some years ago, and uh, it's the X-Men Holiday Bash, and like I said, it looks like it's 1992 or so. Now, normally, I would love to see the X-Men of 1992, but I feel like anytime they get a nod during, you know, current year... It feels like every speech, balloon, and caption should end with someone, like, popping out of the corner to shout, LOL, reference, you know, um, same reason why I absolutely hated that weak-ass X-Men 92 comic from a few years back. Everything was just a reference, and, you know, references aren't comedy. I think it kind of says something about our, like, current, like, meme culture, where, like, everything has to be a reference. And I feel like we're at a point where we confuse humorous things with just references to humorous things. Anyway, here we are. Now we zoom out and we see the party in full swing. Uh, Lockheed has a red nose on the tip of his uh, bill or whatever, his snout. 
Archangel is decorating the high limbs of a tree, of the, you know, Christmas tree. Gambit is shuffling cards to remind us that he has cards, I guess. Uh, Beast is dressed up like Santa Claus, and there's a kid on his lap asking for a bunch of X-Men action figures. So, um, I guess that's a reference to the X-Men of 1992, isn't it? You also would like a Darwin figure that actually evolves, which, hey, reference, um, to a character that nobody knew existed by design back in the Zero. Nobody knew Darwin was a thing, and that was kind of the point. Anyway, Kitty's making cookies, and, uh, it makes me wonder what Colossus would say, because, uh, you know, we were reminded during Mary X Laps that uh, Kitty is Jewish, so why would she ever celebrate anything Christmas-like? Anyway, Rogue declines a kiss under the mistletoe. Psylocke carves up an ice sculpture for some reason. Uh, Iceman makes an ice dreidel. There's a choir of multiple men singing carols, and Nightcrawler bamps around a bit. We zip over to North Star, who really didn't hang out with the X-Men back in this era. Uh, he's asked why he doesn't just call himself Polaris, and, well, don't you know, there already is a Polaris. Cyclops has a photo booth, which... why? Huh? Um, now, there's a kid with him posing for a picture, and this kid is wearing a Cyclops is Tight t-shirt. So, uh, reference, uh, just not a funny one. We got Gene and Professor X in his yellow hover chair. They're off talking about how this party is great for human and mutant relations, even though this sort of thing never, ever works. Then we shift over to Wolverine, who's off to the side, drinking all by his lonesome. Jubilee wanders over to try and cheer old Logan up, but he ain't feeling it. Well, she tells him he's got no choice. She's going to annoy him until he cracks. And she suggests that he don a Santa suit and hand out gifts, even though we already have a Santa here. She then says that maybe old man Logan can carve the turkey, which, hey, reference. Wolvie says he doesn't want a snicked turkey juice into his bloodstream, so, uh, ha, Wolverine said snicked. She then asks if uh, he can use his animal senses to sniff out where Xavier hid all their gifts, and he tells her to beat it, and he becomes quite cynical about the hundreds of Christmases he's already lived through. He goes, uh, real, real dour here, and he says, like, uh, you know, Christmas and the holidays is all about... People giving you gifts you don't really want, and then you giving them gifts they don't really want. So, you see, it's all disappointment. And Jubilee's like, okay, well, you know, point well taken, but is there anything you do want? Is there anything that wouldn't be a disappointment? And he thinks real hard for a moment, and uh, recalls that there was this whiskey back in 1851 that he really, really loved. But, uh, well, there's no way anybody could get that for him now. Any guesses how this story's going to end? Any? Hmm? Anyway, Jubilee asks if uh, Wolverine liked the beanie she got him, uh, saying it was blue and yellow, which are his colors. Wolverine corrects her, saying that blue and yellow are actually Cyclops' colors. Oy. Um, now, after, like, 500 more finger flicks through this one, Jubilee finally gives up and walks away so we can get on with our damn day. Logan peers to the clock, finishes his beer, and exits. He heads to one of his old safe houses where he meets up with... Mystique. Now, he informs her that his rep is saved for another year, and then we kind of veer into very special episode territory. Raven morphs into a generic lady, and Wolverine changes into his street-tough clothes, and together they head to a homeless shelter to feed the hungry. After reminding us all the true meaning of Christmas, Wolverine and Mystique finish up their uh, good deed. Oh, and it's worth noting here that Mystique keeps calling Wolverine James and Mr. Howlett which, not to be a pedantic dickhead, but uh, Wolverine didn't know his real name back then. Just saying. 
And I know that's not like the kind of thing I should be calling out for a story like this, but I mean, if we're going to play 1992, commit to the bit. If like the whole story's predicated on references, then at least get the references right, you know? Anyway, we wrap up with Mystique giving Wolverine his Christmas gift, and it turns out to be a bottle of 1851 whiskey. And that's that. So, not to be a stick in the mud, but uh, I didn't really care for this. Um, I didn't think this was all that great. Uh, and you guys know me, I'm a huge sucker for uh, for Christmas stories or holiday stories of any sort. But, um, yeah, this one just felt a little too... Uh, I mean, I said the word reference a million times already, but it seemed to be more interested in just... Uh, making references than actually telling a story and then the story it does wind up giving us is something that we saw like in every 80s sitcom where somebody needs to be taught the real meaning of christmas and they're taken to a homeless shelter where they see people less fortunate and suddenly all of their concerns and all their worries seem very very small i guess this is kind of the uh, double-edged sword of uh, marvel unlimited in these infinity comics because well, you know, I really couldn't say that this wouldn't be printed nowadays because uh, it probably would be. Uh, you know, when, when we get story anthologies, the quality of story is very, uh, at least as far as I can tell as a reader, it doesn't seem to be the priority. It's just like fill pages <laughs> as best we can. But I do think there's more freedom to do such a thing with, uh, you know, the digital comics here. So we get stories like this. And I mean, maybe I'm a little bit too serious a guy, but... Um, I'm definitely not the uh, target for this sort of story. Though, you know, I did come up through this era. I started reading these comics at the era that this is referencing to. So maybe I'm a little too close to it, or maybe I just get tired of being hammered over the head with uh, incessant references um, that really don't, uh, in my opinion, do a really good job of showing what uh, the what was so special about that era. It's like, there were a lot of good stories back then. There was a lot of good character development back then. I think we kind of view that um, that era now as just like the gimmicky era and lol pouches and here's characters in their cartoon outfits and that's all we really need to do. Not my cup of tea. That's not an indictment on the story. It's probably just uh, more of those Chris problems that uh, seem to raise their ugly head every now and again. But... Uh, but rather than just uh, continuing to kvetch about something I have no control over, I will just put a button in it there. Now we do have a full mailbag and a whole lot of shoutouts, but as I mentioned at the start here, I am, I've had to pause this recording. I am on recording number 42 right now. We're 17, 18 minutes in, and I've had to stop this recording 42 times to uh, go take an acid. I'm probably 80% tum right now. So uh, we'll get to those. Um, like I said, we're easing our way back in. So we'll get to those in the coming episodes here. But um, one thing I do want to do, which will be pretty quick, is uh, This Week in X. It is a Monday episode. And we actually have a loaded lineup of digital books that are popping up on Marvel Unlimited. We've got uh, X Corp number five, which thankfully ends that story. I think that's uh, Marvel's birthday present to me. Let's let's get X Corp out of here once and for all. 
We've got X-Men number three. We've got X-Men The Onslaught Revelation, which feels like it's been years since we've read. And we have X-Men Legends number... Oh, well, I put number two here, but I don't think it's number two. Uh, I'm probably number six or seven or so, but for whatever reason, I put two in the uh, the old Google Doc here. Uh, on shelves this coming week, we've got nothing. Jack, no X-Men books here. Uh, though it is worth noting... It is holiday week, and it is a fifth week on top of that. So uh, I believe the only big book coming out, if we can call it a big book, is something called Timeless. I think that's a Kang story that has about 87,000 variant covers. So if you are, you know, absolutely have to spend some money at the comic shop, you can pick up skate 800 different flavors of Kang. But I think that's going to do it for today. I'd like to thank you all so much for joining me today, even though it was kind of a downbeat episode and I am not 100% right now, but I, I thank you all the same. It really does mean a lot to me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Searching for